Hey guys, welcome to our first podcast. We're, we're sort of back, sort of back. I mean, we had our first one, what, 2016, I had a look at, actually. Four years. Four years ago was the first podcast. Um, we're sort of starting again, as it were. Um, so for those of you who haven't heard our podcast before, um, this is Twin Cam. It's the automotive podcast where we talk about everything that's going on in the world of motoring at the moment, um, both a bit of historical, present, and our opinions on what's happening uh, throughout the entire industry itself. Um, my name is Jack Passy. Uh, this is Connor Mitchell, my co-host. Um, why don't you say hi, Connor? Hello. <laughs> right, quick and simple, just how we like it. Yeah, um, well, yeah, still get so, to the point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our first uh, topic today, which we thought we'd pick out for you, is uh, a slightly, probably controversial one to a lot of you. Um, there is a bit of a power race going on at the moment. Um, with all the, especially the big uh, three German manufacturers, but uh, many other manufacturers are joining in, like Hyundai, um, Honda have been there for a while as well. Ford are creeping up there, but it's the uh, topic of hyper hatches. Um, now, I know a lot of you think that the Holy Grails are the A45 AMG, uh, in particular the S, the RS3 Sportback, all these sort of things. Um, and we thought we'd have a little discussion today about what's on the market, um, what is the cream of the crop, what is to avoid, um, and what we think personally of the uh, industry in general and what's happening with these, this market and what, what people want from a hyperhatch, in quotation marks. Um, so both of us have had a little look online um, to see what's sort of out there at what sort of price. Um, there is an awful lot from the German manufacturers. Connor, is there anything that stands out to you in particular that you uh, that's caught your eye on the high? Well, you're, you've market? obviously got your your high performance AMGs, um, the A45s. Um, it's that's just, that's the one that sort of when you mention uh, sort of hyper hatches, you get the A45s and you get the Golf R. They're the two really standalone. So I, I think class leading at the moment, but then you've always had the RS3 there. Um, and then it has been lurking in the background for a always, long time now. It's always been there, but then also so is the Focus, Megane um, and the Civic. But the two sort of standalone uh, motors at the moment are the A45 and the RS3. Uh, sorry, the, um, the Golf. So, um, yeah, that, uh, the Merc is unquestionably powerful. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll go on to that later about what's being done with these two-litre engines, but it is, I mean... It's mad. It's actually mad how technology is sort of... If you think about a hot hatch 10, 15 years ago, you had no, no idea that the hatchbacks of today in 2020 or you know from a few years back yeah would have the same or similar sort of uh technology that supercars didn't even have back then you know well, that, that's that's the exact thing I've, I've done some research and i had a look at some numbers um just to entertain myself last night um so like you said the hot hatches of 10 years ago you know a, a quick hot hatch back then was 250 brake horsepower hmm. you know and if you look at it, relatively speaking, that's the same power as a Ferrari 308 from the 70s. 
you know, along that sort of lines. And now all of a sudden we've got hot hatches that are on Ferrari F430 territory, mm. you know, in the plus 400 horsepower. And, you know, it's just, it's going a bit insane, really. Um, I mean, how fast do you really need to go in your shopping car, you know? But Well, this is, this is it. This, this market, we, we have to sort of talk about the market of what is the, the hyper hatch for. Um, because in the, in the old days, the hot hatch was for the sort of young, young drivers, um, 20-something drivers who had a little bit of extra money after their first job. And, and now it's sort of become an executive in a tall tower in London who can only yeah. afford these things. So where does that leave the 20-something market? Because I know a lot of people who have a Golf R on finance. Yeah. That's it. The I only way say, you can get these cars are on finance. But then again, that's the world we live in now. It's the only, the only reason, I think, personally, why manufacturers have upped their game in technology and speed and power and just gone bang with it. Because the finance market is just absolutely taken off you know now i mean i i don't know the last person that bought a car i mean when was the last time you heard someone bought a new car no exactly people buy second hands like you know that's that's the only way you can have it second hand really um Mm. but i don't know especially anything north of 40 grand you know 40 grand is an awful lot of money to drop on a piece of metal that most people are only going to keep for three years Exactly, and it's going to depreciate a lot. Well, um, as soon as you drive it off the forecourt, you've lost probably yeah. a third of its value. Exactly. So, where does that leave? Yeah, like you say, you know, where does that leave that twenty-something-year-old driver who wants something hot, a little bit fast? Where do they go? Where do they go? Well, I think that there's sort of two camps for that lot there at the moment there is the let's call them the realistic group Mm -hmm. and they will they will be looking at the lower end towards in particular the fiesta st because you can't really beat that at the moment there's nothing in that but i mean you could have a polo gti but you know that's the realistic benchmark for a lot of people and then you've got group two which are the people buying it on finance living at mum's house you know that you know exactly the type I mean, and you just yeah. it's. And I know a lot of people just can't even think about affording a house, so they just pour the money into the car. But at the end of the day, that car's got to go back because most of them aren't even financed. Most of them are leased. You know, it's so it's got to go back eventually. So you're just sinking money in. You know, two grand a month for a, you know, an M2, or a you know an M145i or 135i. Sorry, or. Um, you're an AMG and mm. don't get me wrong there. They're fantastically quick, but I don't think, I think you could have more fun in the lower, lower categories. Mm. Um, so it does depend on which group you are in. However, I think there is, like you said, there's a bit of a void and where do they go? Where do they sit? Do you go down to the lower end or do you go up to the higher end? Um, now I think well, that's, personally that's... you should go lower, but, well, that's it. I don't think people are going like I think people are buying, going on finance and getting the, the Golf R's, the BMW M, 1Ms and, uh, and the A45s. That's what people are doing now. 
and they can afford it. That's it. It's as simple a thing mm-hmm. as that. Is that they can afford it, and if they can afford it, fair play to them, they can go and get it. I'm not judging people on what they buy. You know, looking at the cars, you can understand the business side of why companies have released them. You can understand, you know, them squeezing out as much power as possible from a turbocharged two liter, which is unbelievable, quite frankly. And you sort of beg to differ when you, when you squeeze that much power out of a smaller engine, where does that leave the engine's um, reliability? So cars of two litres, my Audi two litre diesel, a modest 140 horsepower, that will go on for yonks. Whereas a well, two litre... low stress lump, isn't it? Absolutely. Exactly. The lowest stress that you could get. Exactly. So, I mean, there's no doubt that these manufacturers have tested these engines to to the moon and back. But in the real world, when a 20-something-year-old driver as a Golf R is doing standing starts every single oh, yeah. time they set off from the drive, yeah. is that car going to last? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it, really? Yeah. I, no, I think... I mean, it's a bit like we were talking earlier about the, the Golf R in particular. And I think... A lot of the Golf range, as I said to you, you know, the old, the GT that I think is called something else now, with the the two liter unit they turbocharged and supercharged, is actually more expensive than the Golf R. And actually, VW have done it probably quite well. Well, yes, it's not the fastest of the hyper hatches by any means, but it's been made so obtainable mm. by Volkswagen that you. But that's, you that's the reason for the Golf. Yeah, I, I see more R's on the road than I do basic golfs. You know, they, they yeah. probably sell them almost two to one, I would imagine. They are flying off the shelf um, to the point where you think, well, why would you sell anything else? Um, yeah. But they, you know, obviously they've got the other special edition, the TCR, which is, yeah, less powerful, but probably more of a fun car to own. Um, but I think because of this hyperhatch thing, obviously the R has taken a step up. And the GTI has sort of ceased to it's exist. Dead. It's dead. People, people are just obsessed with the four-wheel drive and the power when they forget what you actually want in your hot hatch is you don't want grip. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want grip in your, in your hot hatch. You want Look, a modest amount we of power saying, and a good chassis. Yeah, it's what we were saying the other day, really, about the, hot, the old hot hatch used to have the tiniest smidgen of understeer that reminded you what the limits of a car were yeah and it sort of taught i'll go back to that market again the 20 something year old driver who were gonna you know absolutely smash the living daylights out of this car that little smidgen of understeer tells that driver or tells that person look taking it to a bit too much now so it's almost like a, a lesson for them because then when they got into the bigger cars, like the M3s and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the scary stuff that will bite you hard. Exactly. Then they go, oh, okay, I might rein it in because of what they learned in the hatchback. Plus, let's be honest, the cheaper hatchbacks back then, you smashed that one up. Oh, it yeah. wasn't an M3 you were smashing up. So yeah. It didn't necessarily matter. Whereas now, you have got your, um, you know, 
differentials that allow a car to go about 30 mile an hour faster around a corner. Exaggerated. Um, uh, a system, I was watching the Civic Type R just then, um, a front wheel drive motor that when you whack it through a corner, it's, these are technical terms that we're using obviously, when you whack it through a corner, it breaks the two inside wheels. So you've got that turning angle. Yeah. That to me, it doesn't teach the driver anything. Because no, think... when they go from that, that Civic to the bigger car, they expect that. And hmm. whether, I don't know, BMW or Merck or Audi have those sort of technologies in their cars, fair enough. But I don't know. It just, it just takes away from that raw sense of driving a car. Oh, massively. Because there's so many electronic driving aids crammed into these, these hyper hatches. Hmm. You know, you've got torque vectoring in a lot of them. Some of them, I think, have even got rear wheel steel. Uh, rear wheel steer. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they've got a very advanced traction controls. They've got loads of power. They're so overtired as well. They're so grippy with mm. the four-wheel drive system as well. It's got you in this cocoon of what you believe to be in, in invincibility. And when you see them have an accident, they are almighty accidents. They are huge yeah. because when it does let go, you are not saving it. It will hit a tree at definitely above legal speed limits. Mm. And... But I mean, if, if you then go back, so if what I want to look at is about 2001, you're going to have to help me with my Japanese codes because I'm not the best. Is it the EK, EK9 Civic Type R? <laughs> you're talking uh, to the wrong person about the Civics, mate. The first of the modern shapes, you know, when they stopped going, then they started becoming a bit more almost like an A-class, but I know that sounds harsh, but... No, I, I know exactly what model you mean. It's the, the sort yes. of... Big, big headlights at the front. Yep, that's the exact one. Had a, quite a severe drop at the front. Yeah, it was yeah, before the, the space age. The scuttle, the scuttle was quite a heavy rake. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was probably the best looking Civic in my eyes. Yeah, I mean that for the day was the hyperhatch. You know, that's what you bought. VTEC. And yeah, and that was the perfect amount. It would oversteer if you wanted it to, but it was front wheel drive, so you could catch it by just booting it. It mm. didn't have many electronic aids. It was, it was just a fun car. I've driven one. And yeah, it was, they're about three, four grand now. But you would... Yeah, they, those things hold their value because Honda Civics were good back then. They were decent. They were mm. decent motors. And the best thing was about them was that they looked good. Those Civics looked good. Where Civic have gone with their, their looks... Yeah, questionable. It's, that's, like, let's questionable. call them... It's disgusting. <laughs> It's what the sort of, disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the face the mother could love and the rear end and the side <laughs> profile and the interior, all something a mother could only love. I don't but, get it. I really don't. I mean, okay, I know we've been quite negative up to this point about the hot like hyper hatches. I think we need to show them a little bit of love and just we have to, you know, commend these manufacturers on how much they are able to squeeze from a two litre unit. I mean, Oh, uh, I said this earlier. In, ter in terms yeah. of engineering expertise, it is quite a feat. I mean, 400 horsepower plus out of an A45. You know, it, you you think back to a, the Ford GT. What was the what was the engine in the Ford GT? It was a V8. Was it a four liter V8 uh, or a three liter? It, what in the in the GT? 
Wait, yeah. the, what, the, as in the big, the Ford GT, as in... Yeah, yeah. Oh, bigger than that, mate. It was probably five, north of five litres. Uh, 5.4 V8. Oh, I was close to the 5.5. Right, um, okay. So if you think back, that was 2005. 15 years later. Okay, it's not 500 and somewhat horsepower of the GT. But you've got an inline four-cylinder two-litre against the V8 yeah oh yeah it's it's. I mean I watched someone drag race an A45S against the 911 Turbo mm. obviously obviously the Turbo wins it, it, it was never going to win but the way that A45 shot off the line you, mm. you thought it just gave you a glimmer of hope for a second that that was was faster and it probably was from 0 to 30 yeah but, you know after that the 911 walks away always will but it, it makes you realize that the technology that they're cramming into these is it's mind bending. You know, it, it's almost the stuff that I've always almost got to the point where I want to see instead of formula one influence road cars, I want to see road cars influence formula one at this point. Cause well, that's, that's the thing. I think formula one has influenced these cars a lot. Um, probably especially, have. especially in the sort of turbocharged since formula one have gone down to 1.6 liter V6 turbo and electric motor combo but if you look at the um the rate of development from 15 years ago to today it is unquestionably incredible you know and it's it's taken the hot hatch somewhere where we didn't even think it could go and some cars that have been left behind like this, I think the Type R has been left behind, and I think um, Vauxhall have been left behind a lot. Mm. But you take those two cars and you plonk them back 15 years ago, you thought, nah, that's not possible. You know, oh, even the even the bad cars of today would have been unbelievably good 10 years ago. Yeah, and I know that's a really stupid thing to say, but. Yeah, I don't but know. Ten, how, I ten don't years ago, that. ten years ago is 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 when you think it's not that long ago. I mean, ten years ago, what did we have? You know, we still had really really hot Megane RSs. Mm. You know, they were. I mean, probably actually Renault were at the top of the game back then. Yeah. Um, but you know, since they've fallen back like like the rest. But you know, if you showed someone an RS3 now, you just got unbelievable. Earth. No, exactly, and. So, with the sort of hyper hatches going off into into the distance, where does that leave, you know, sort of the, the void for normal hot hatches? Well, I think in that case, a good segue from one to the other, uh, which is one of the topics we wanted to touch on, is the price. The price of certain hyper hatches. Now, I personally think the golf r is a tad expensive at around 30 grand and then you see the list price for an a45s and you're looking at north of 50 which at that mm. point you are looking at m4s and m3s exactly um you know mind you if they i mean yes you've got the probably the slight edge of practicality in the hatchback but then you know what's to stop you buying an rs4 you know, an RS4 would do 
everything you need it to as mm. an estate. Um, but I th- you, it, what it means is we've now got this huge gap between the hyper hatches and the next tier of hot hatches, hot super minis, hot city cars, whatever. Mm. There is a, an enormous gap between the two. And I don't understand. I mean, there's two things. I don't understand why the manufacturers think there are people that would spend that on a hyper hatch, but there must be because they're clearly there must selling be, because them. we've seen them on the road and they're everywhere. And secondly, I don't understand the people that buy them <laughs> or finance them. It, I, I don't, it's, it's an awful lot of money. It's, it's too much. To, I mean, God, if you gave me 50 grand, I could buy an all, I could buy a three car dream garage for myself. I know, I know, I know what you mean, but I do understand it. I can't explain why I understand it, but I do understand it. Because at the end of the day, when you're sat in your own car, your motor, because we're talking about everything at the moment. We're talking about Merc, BMW, Audi, VW. When you sit in your car that you've bought for yourself and you line up against Matey Boy in his Corsa and he thinks, oh, it's just a Golf. And you absolutely floor it and it fucks off. Language. We had that moment. Do you remember? I took you back from Guildford in that Fiat Panda 100 horsepower. And we had that, and we had you and James in the car, and Will actually, next to a group of lads in a Corsa who thought it was just a Fiat Panda. And we just went, I mean, it's obviously the slowest drag race you've ever seen in history, but we just went off the line and we were gone. I'm pretty sure with me and Morgan are back, that your rear action suspension saw. The what the bump there stop, was sparks probably. flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was called Miley for a reason. If you seem to remember, she did <laughs> used to twerk quite badly. Um, <laughs> but I, I suppose that's that's the thing. I mean, you, I, you, I think you could have that fun for less. I mean, I've driven a few of the hot hatches, and all people seem to do in them is do light to light. Yeah, and that's, that's the market they've gone for, and it, it succeeded. Unfortunately, that's the business side of it, is that they've recognised that kids now just want to get in the car and go light to light. Fair enough. That's what they've marketed for. And Each to your own. Exactly. Um, but what if you don't have that money? What if you don't have you know, the, the want for a hot hatch now? What if you want something like a hot hatch of 15 years ago? Do you go secondhand and buy mm. a, a hot McGann or something? Or what is on the market now, today, for 15 or less that's hot? Now, there's, there's two that spring to mind. I mean, you could get a previous generation Fiesta ST, mm-hmm. which is probably about 15 grand now. Yeah. But on the new side, I think there's only two that you could really go for in that price bracket. The Up GTI, yeah, great little car, because that put, that basically reminds me of my Fiat, so I would buy one. Um, basically, a, a new version of the original Golf, um, and probably the Renault Twingo R, which uh, I seem to remember was quite the little super mini. Yeah. But other than um, that, there's not much, there's no men, there's not many offerings from that price bracket. I think that the manufacturers have looked at that bracket and just gone, 
no one's buying them. Yeah, you know, these little super minis. Everyone's got more money these days, and everyone wants a bit more space and a bit more power and a bit more luxury and a bit more this, this, and this. Mm. And those, and the people that are buying the Bogo basic ones, you know, the, the the city cars, just want a city car. Yeah, there's no market for the sporty variants, as it were. But but like you said, that means there is a void, especially since um, focus of. Uh, well, the way focused, the way Ford are going at the moment, they're pulling out of the hot hatch thing almost altogether by the Fiesta ST. Mm. So they've just chopped the RS. I can imagine the ST will follow suit as well because the focus isn't doing well at all in sales. It's, it's sad, really, because Ford were the forefront of hot cars, regardless of yeah. hatchbacks. You think back to the old. Cosa. Um, yeah, the Cosies. And. The, the, the old good old days, Fords were at the top. And it's, it's sad to see that they haven't necessarily, well, they have followed the game, but others have taken leaps and bounds over, over Ford. And I'd, I think what it comes down to is the badge on the, on the, on the bonnet. Mm. People are going to no, want a or a VW more than a Ford now. Mm. I, there is actually something else on the high patch front with Ford. Now, I've driven an RS Focus, the new one. Mm-hmm. It is unbearable. It is so uncomfortable. So you've got the hard seats. I mean, the seats are like wafer thin on carbon, mm. or what you know. What I mean, they are awful. It runs on the firmest suspension. The in comfort mode, it jiggles like. You wouldn't. Leave. It's such a busy ride. It finds every nook and cranny. Um, now, the owner I was with has taken it on a track day, and he went to Alton Park, which yep. is a nice, smooth circuit. He said in sports mode, it was still too stiff. It was still uncomfortable at that on that surface. Yep. So, yes, I see where Ford are trying to go, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. I think they went almost too far one way. And also, I'm sorry, but the drift mode thing is a complete gimmick. You know, it, that was an irrelevant thing. You, nobody is doing using that drift mode like well, whatsoever. It's it's a gimmick because, and this sort of opens up a whole brand new can of worms. Really, it's the old Top Gear effect, and the way that Top Gear marketed their program was that if a car drifts really well. That it must be a good car. What that tells me is, is that when a car drifts, you you've got no rear stability whatsoever. You can hold it with the throttle. That's fine, because you can correct it. But when a hot hatch does that, a four-wheel drive, a front-wheel drive hot hatch does that, you go, hmm, that's not what a hot hatch is about. Hot hatches is about clinging on for dear life for the front oh, end grip and looking at the back and having yeah, that. You want to see a tripod. Yeah, you want a tripod that's on every corner. That's what you want, tripod. And I don't know if that has now sort of gone downgraded to the, to I don't know, the up GTI and, and things like that. I don't know. I haven't I seen the GTI in, in person, if I'm honest. I think these little 
super mini hot hatches. I think they're hidden gems that people haven't quite gotten onto because they're all so busy running around squealing, clutching at their bits about is all it, this powerful hypercar. Is it because is is the reason why people haven't gotten onto it is because the manufacturers haven't shouted about it? Shouted about it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it. I ent- I entirely agree. I mean, you know, the launch of the Up GTI went almost uncovered by almost every auto, you know, magazine. I probably saw two or three videos on it. Mm. And you see, you know, you see the new hot whatever come out that's from Mercedes or, you know, Audi or whatever. And it's got more videos on it in a week than Thing some is, of these like, other cars will ever these... get in their life. These hot hatches are the A class and the ones, uh, the A1 or the S1 or RS1 or whatever. No, it's the RS3, sorry. Only, so you got, let me start that again. Merc with the A class, that's their sort of bottom line, that's their cheapest model they make. Yeah, of course. Um, or the smallest model they make, sorry. Audi have got the S1 and the RS1, if they're making an RS1. Um, well, they had the S1 did... Quattro, but that was <laughs> the one with the funny little fan wheels that they made to look like a rally car. Yeah. They did that one, and then they've got the standard S1, but that's, um, that's it on my little ones. VW have got the Polo, and then they're up, which are smaller. Ford have got, obviously, the Fiesta, which is smaller. The KA, they're not going to touch that. Um You've got a couple. You've got some of the Seats in there as well, and I think actually, yeah. the you know the great little car was the Clio. The Clio RS is always always a good little car to put in that one. Um, but again, they, they've they seem to have just moved like Renault in particular. They, they don't touch the Clio much anymore. They just go McGann, McGann, McGann. You know, it's, here we go. I'll just sorry. I'll just uh, look for the Up GTI. So it's it's a ton. Perfect weight. Um, Three cylinder, one liter engine. Um, Don't knock it. Anything that's below four pot, I'm I'm not too keen on. Um, Fifteen grand. Recommend the only thing. The only thing that I that disappoints me about that is obviously having had my fear, which was an NA four pot. Is I don't think that will rev as nicely, but you know. Everything's going turbo, so there's not much you can do about it. You've got to live with it and concentrate on the chassis. That's chassis, it, really. steering, and brakes. That's all you can do. You know, accept the ways of the turbo. Mm. I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, it sounds like great fun, but if only so, it was actually aspirated. I've sort of had a little natter about everything and anything. Out of the hyper hatch cars, tomorrow what would you go and buy if you had the money? Unfortunately, the one I would most like to pick has died. Um, I would have definitely had a hatchback one series, a 140i. However, obviously they are now on that hideous front wheel drive platform. Um, so that's, that's a shame no really, longer, isn't it? That's no longer an option. That's gone. Don't want that. Um, don't want a Merc because I don't want to look like a knob, so that's gone. Um, <laughs> don't want a McGann or a Renault because that's not well built enough, so that's gone. 
now it's a bit of a toss-up and they're very different very different i would have either an rs3 because the build quality is exceptional yes you will look like a knob still but at least you've got you're sitting in a nice nice space you've got a five-cylinder engine it's slightly more unique to the two-cylinder yeah, yeah. four-cylinder you know two liters or hyundai i30n i knew you were gonna say that hmm i knew you're gonna really, say that because i think that is probably the closest to that Civic we were talking about. I think mm. that has got the the fun factor of the lot. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously, I don't want a Golf because that's boring. I'm sorry. I know you're a VW fan, but a Golf is a Golf. I wouldn't say I'm a VW fan. I appreciate the VWs. Just, there's not enough exclusivity in it for me. Well, no, that's it. That's when I grew up. I, I vowed I'd never uh, own a VAG car because I just thought, oh, it's exactly the same. It's such a boring. Yeah. Thing now I've got an A4. I'm like, fair enough. I understand. It. Even at your your Audi's age, better, one of the best interiors of that era. It was so well built. And it's so easy. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's such a chill motor as well. Such a chill motor. Um, the car I'd have. So now it's a toss up between the Golf R. Um, just because of I. I just think it's such a an accessible car, mm. and it's just it it's fast. Put it that way. I think it's very very fast for what it is. Um, but I think if I was spending that amount of money, you I'd want to go the whole hog and I'd have the Merc. I'd actually like to alter one of my choices. I've just decided. Go on. The Audi's out. And it will be a shock to you because I've just said I don't want a Golf. You... <laughs> I would actually have the TCR GTI. Would you? Hmm. Light, lightweight. I'd spec it so it was lightweight. Mm. Th- you know, put the proper suspension, the brakes on it, put front wheel drive. That would be probably the closest to a fun GTI that you could get. Yeah, I'm not sure if they do it in a manual. I mean, if they did a manual, God, I'd be there in a heartbeat. But be amazing. It'd be quite the little car, like if you could get hold of one. But again, that's forty-five grand for a golf, and that's an awful lot of money. That's yeah, that's the thing. Now, <clears throat> I will throw a curveball in there. It's not as powerful, but it is fairly cheap in comparison to the um, Merc. Then we spoke about this earlier. The Toyota GR Yaris. Now, it's the first Yaris I've gone and looked at and gone, Jesus, it looks good. Um, it should be released in October. 30 grand, 257 brake horsepower, four-wheel drive Yaris. It's a derivative... 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 I can't even do it either. We, we know what we mean. We know what we mean. It's <laughs> fine. We'll leave, it, leave that there. It's basically a looky-like from their World Rally Championship car. I think it looks incredible and I think it will be incredible. It will have that sort of enhanced dynamics that you see from every other motor car company. But I think this is the first, apart from the GT86 and the Supra, but I'm not really counting the Supra because that's just a BMW. It's the first proper decent car. Come on, mate. 
I, th- I think the motoring world's heard enough of BMW and Supra together. <laughs> I just love the fact that people are now buying old Z4s going, yeah, it's a Supra. And I'm like, yeah. so dumb. What do you think people are looking at old Z4s going, is that a Supra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, my God, yeah. it's a Supra. But apart from the GTA 6 and the Supra, which we're not counting, but we are, but we're not. When was the last time Toyota released something that good? I'm presuming that this is going to be good. Probably. Celica GT4. So about 95. It's the last Toyota that really made me go, hmm. Yeah. But Apart from their like prototype stuff, the Mon hmm. stuff, but again, I that's not that's motorsports. Um, in that case, I think what we should say is, especially with Toyota's last Yaris, the Grun, whatever that was, was you know I loved that little thing, a supercharger for once instead of a turbocharger, which was quite nice. But I hmm. think we should put Toyota, the one to watch, to see what they do with it. So it's a new yeah. game for them, and I'd, I'd love to see where they go with it. Because so far, nail on the head for me. Yeah, looks-wise, that GR looks fantastic. Mm. I re- and the interior as well looks decent. But that's, that's the reason why I chose the Merc, because I thought the interior of that is just... You, you feel like you're in an, you know, an oh. S-class. It's incredible. No. I no. love it. Oh. No, it's so... Oh, I'm sorry, my mum's got one. It's so chintzy and glitzy and... I take, do you know where those cars belong? Go on. Cobham. Cobham. <laughs> Every driveway in Cobham has got one of those. Every footballer's wife has got one of those to knock around in. Oh. And they're all... I, it's a funny thing. I, I'm not going to go on the little rant. The, the infotainment system. This is, a, this is just me having a rant for all of you. Just We're going to have a weekly rant thing from me. Oh, Christ. What happened to integrating infotainment systems into the dash why do we now have to just stick them on why can't they be back in the dash where they should be what and also the bezel i'm sorry on the a a class is like this thick on each the screen's only that big Might as well have no, that's the old one there, and then it's got that's the old one but still i mean okay the new one Merck have got the screens lovely you know like in the e-class when they go across the whole thing that's that, that's it that's the new the new lovely. a45s that's that's the new interior but why, why can we, just, anyway, I'll leave, I'll leave that and I'll try and calm myself <laughs> down. But I think on that note, we should um, probably wrap this podcast up for the week. Um, so we will have another podcast out later on next week. Uh, so we'll be le- releasing news on, when did we say, about Wednesday? I think we're going to release Tuesdays and Fridays. So Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Fridays. Like news, news and then Fridays will be... A more general discussion on a topic that we want to have a bit of a rant about because yeah. as you we are both pessimists I think now <laughs> I'm not sure there's anything I mean until we get on motorsports then we'll be happy we'll, we'll be having a lot oh, that'd be my that'd be my yeah <clears throat> Pierre de Villiers lovely right then we will leave you there um, hope everyone has a good week and stay safe and join us uh, next week for the next podcast cheers bye bye Cheers. Bye. Bye. Have a great time. (laughs)